You're listening to the Arturnia Archives. Enjoy. And welcome back to another episode of Original Box Sets Deadlands. Wee wee. That was actually pretty bad. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to do any more wee wee's and stuff. That's not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't do that again. All right. Well, um, we're back, and I'm going to do some introductions. I'm Max, the marshal for this wonderful game. Okay. And we have two of our players this week. We have Sarah, who is playing Anne McDade. Hi. <laughs> and Rusty, playing Ali the Hexlinger. Hello, hello, everybody. Uh, the Father Cross has to work right now, and there's a lot going on in the world, and he is needed elsewhere, because uh, toilet paper needs to be stocked, I guess, but that's part of his... He works at a Publix. Uh, we have definitely... Uh, also, sad news, if you didn't know, two episodes ago, we lost uh, Soy Mage, who played Dr. Webb, to a job promotion. So, still hats off to him. And so we're going to be picking up our game session where we left off last. Um, I believe Rusty was in the engine and Anne was a few cars back. Um, I'm going to let Rusty give a description of what was going on in the engine. It, do you remember it? Uh, I remember it was nothing good. Uh, I don't remember the exact state of the engine, uh, but yes, I believe I remember a Marvin the Martian style earth shattering a kaboom, uh, or at least it was building up towards one, I think. Um, yeah, I just remember like, we did a pretty good job at saving people. We did a less good job at saving the engine was was basically where my, uh, my goalposts were, as I recall. That's fair enough. And I, I you are correct. Um, dog soldiers had did a night raid on the train. Uh, Ollie had gained a strange premonition and started quietly warning people, making sure that there was quite a number of people who were able to survive. But unfortunately, the Indians were able to get a few of theirs on, and one of the most important was a young shaman who had made many sacrifices to be able to call upon some powerful, thunderous destruction. And he did so and attacked the engine using um, powerful magics to just th sunder it, rip it to pieces. And uh, Ollie, and I do believe Dr. Walters was there to stop him. Yeah, I don't remember if it was Walters or Webb, but I remember they had a Gatlin pistol. Uh, so yes, it was one of the Dr. W. Pinkertons, uh, which honestly, they should share business cards. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I remember, I remember there was some Daka Daka going on. Yes, it was definitely Dr. Walters. He's always in the right spot at the right time. Um, back in the train, though, during the whole event, um, some new recruits to the dog soldiers, as well as some other ones, were jumping on the train, attempting to hijack it, attempting to steal uh, supplies, shooting in the train, and Anne was with Dr. Webb at the time. What were you two up to? I think we were um, fixing Bixby. Um, so I had pulled him back into the train from on top because uh, he was injured. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was using his blood as an excuse to get blood all over me since I was already uh, kind of covered in blood. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just kind of staying and, and supporting uh, Dr. Webb as he tries to patch him up. Excellent. And so there was an Indian who was on top of the train that was engaging uh, Bixby in like a, a decent form of martial arts. They were shooting at each other and he was swinging tomahawk, if I remember correctly. And then um, that's when uh, Ollie and Walters came up, dealt with him and then ran past and you and Webb stayed back. So that's where we're, we're at at this point in time. Now, if for our audience, you could probably go off and Google it if you really need to know, but I'm going to give a quick description of what an insides of a, a steam engine looks like. Um, this is for the purpose of our, our, our starting part here. Uh, with the chassis is a long cylinder that ends in the housing in which the engineer stands in. The cylinder itself is made up of several uh, chambers in which store water as well as fire. And then the water itself cycles in and out of a bunch of pipes passing around that hot uh, fire to help get the steam hot enough to push the piston. So it's, that's how it works. But when the shaman ripped it to pieces, he, he literally ripped two holes into the side, not knowing that there might be a better way to destroy it. He just assumed this was the only way to destroy it. And so when he ripped the holes in the side, he ripped them near the firebox itself, which tore up several of the lines and opened a firebox to the outside world while doing damage to the train itself. It doesn't look like the end of a gun that's been uh, ripped open. If you've ever seen a gun... Elmer Fudd it. Yeah, he didn't Elmer Fudd it. He ripped large holes in it like an animal tearing into paper or leather. Just ripped sections out and now there's pipes sticking out and fire coming out as well. Uh, the fire is still going, the engine's still moving, the engineer is on the floor of the uh, house and he is laying in a pool of blood and the 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 coal shoveler, the shoveler who has been up there is, is off to one side. If you remember, Rusty, you ran up the side of the coal bin. You're on top of the coal bin. Yeah, I was trying to get a, a clean line of fire. And Walters ran along the side of the coal bin and uh, kind of like below you and slightly to the left is where that man is cowering. So, and, and by cowering, he has thrown himself onto the, the ground. He's hunched over. Um, you can't hear him or anything over the, the sound of the engine itself. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to blame him. Uh, <laughs> like, like that's fair. The guy was tearing chunks out of an engine with a tomahawk. Like, if this isn't your gig, this isn't your gig. Correct. I, how do you decide, hey, I'm going to do something. Let's check to see what I've got. Oh, uh, magically, a bowl of food has appeared. Look at that. It's delicious. Thank you so very much to the magical hands behind me. I mean, there's worse tricks to have than just randomly getting Chinese food out of Yes. All right. I won't distract for too long. That smells good. Um, so he's down below you. The engineer is on the floor. He is moving. I just want to start off with that. He's moving. So it's not like he's just laying there like, oh, man, could he already be dead? No, he's like wiggling because um, it's definitely a gut wound that he has. So I will start with you and Walter's. Uh, Ollie is just gonna holler, hey, Doc, the engineer needs you, uh, and like frantically point, because Ollie is not 
first day man. Uh, he is not built for that sort of work. Uh, but there's a guy whose first name is Doctor hanging out right here. So, uh, yeah, let's get him up. Okay. Um, Walters will move forward cautiously uh, to toward the edge of the coal bin car, look up to you and say, is it all clear? There's no one, I can't see everything up over there. Out of character, I believe it was, wasn't it? Like that was the last guy. Yeah, uh, Ollie will give a confident nod. Yeah, we got the last of them, Doc. All right, he will holster his Gatlin pistol uh, and quickly uh, move over through the little chain bridge and rush over to the, uh, the engineer's side. And he calls for you saying, um, I need some gauze and some padding. Go back to Dr. Webb and get uh, either something from him or go get my medical bag from the uh, business car. On it. And Ollie will scamper down and hustle back towards other people uh, in general and to see who he finds. All right. Hustling back down through the series of cars, you get to the car which has all the horses on it. Now you're, are you going back up on top of the roofs or are you gonna stay down? I think I'm actually gonna, like, since I was already kind of up high, I'll try and get onto like the next roof and hop my way back that way, just so he can also kind of have the high ground and keep an eye out. All oh, right. Uh, at least for a couple of cars, you know, get back to where I expect to find some people, you know, but he'll, he'll stay up high and, and watch out for any more trouble. Smoke and steam encase you as you move from the top of the coal bin because the engine itself is just spewing at this point in time. So um, as you move in that direction, um, you have cover and you get back several cars. You can hear the horses underneath you that are frantic at this point. And as you get to the end of that uh, car carrying the horses, you can see the flatbed in which uh, Dr. Webb and and Bixby are at. Hey y'all, uh, we need some help up in the uh, engine. Uh, engineer got himself gutted pretty good. Um, Big, uh, Bixby looks bad off as it is, as you can see that Anne has her hands pressed into his midsection, and uh, in the darkness of the night, with still plenty of moonlight, some trees nearby, her hands, her whitish hands, are blackened by the, the red color, and, uh, Webb has been telling you to put pressure. He's got a bag with him. He's doing things. He has actually started um, giving medicine to him and talking about how to move him back when all of a sudden you hear him shouting from above you. Um, I, I look to uh, to Dr. Webb. Uh, um, is is there anything more I can do? Uh, I, 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 I'm a fairly good sewer. I could maybe do some stitch. If we can get him back to a lit car, that would be helpful. I'm going to need another man to help me out. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, actually, if I remember correctly, Webb did have some strength to him. So Webb will attempt, can attempt to carry. Um, he yells up to Ollie, in, in me and Dr. Walter's car, there's a black bag. And he points to the one next to him. Like this, take that to him and send someone up to help us move Bixby. Uh, will do. Uh, and then I will scamper on down and go rushing. But Ollie will do a quick hat tip. Uh, as he passes by Miss McDade. I give him a, a worried smile. She has blood on all parts of her. It Big Speed looks more like the color of her now. You rush past the two of them heading down the flatbed cars. As you leave them in the distance, 
you can, um, and you hear what sounds like the engine is making a whistling sound, a constant whistling sound, and not one that you heard in the, the train station. So it's definitely, there's something going up. It doesn't sound, you know, there's a lot going on. So you're taking in a lot at this point in time. And um, Bixby reaches up to you at this point in time, and he, he grabs a hold of your shirt sleeve. And he says, through blood on his lips, I'm sorry, uh, I thought I had him. You focus on healing right now. That's 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 where your strength is needed at the moment. I, I have my my hands uh, um, kind of pressured, but like kind of move my fingertips in a gentle little like reassuring pat. <laughs> okay, okay. Webb pulls out a strange long device that you have never seen in your life. It is cylindrical. It's kind of clear and metal in bits. And the end of it comes to a very fine point. It's about as big as round as maybe one of your fingers. And he pulls from a bottle with a cork in it, um, some fluid. And then he starts rolling up the sleeve of Bixby and says, this will take the pain off. And then it might even make you fall asleep. <laughs> Small intense. <laughs> I, I close my eyes and look away. All right. Rusty, you are hauling butt across the cargo flats, and you make it to the car before the first class car. Um, you can scale back, jump up, back up on top of the roofs, or just go shooting through. Uh, I'm going to go through because this time I'm actually looking for some people also. Okay. Um, and weren't the doctors in the first class car? Uh, for their travel, no. They were in the business car. And okay. Walters had uh, characteristically always ventured back to the passenger car to drink and gamble and hang out with the lesser folk, as you would. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew they'd been hanging out with us. I just remember they were somewhere, somewhere towards the fancier end of the train. But, like, we've kind of seen where everybody's staying. So yeah, yes. I'll just make my way towards their room. But um, yeah, like since I'm trying to also kind of check on people on my way back there, he'll go ahead and, and stay low this time. All right, jumping down, entering the cart, you quickly dash in and hear the sound of cocking sound from the darkness ahead of you. Easy, it's Ollie. All right, you see uh, Frank step out and uh, you scared the hell out of me. Yeah, uh, well, you didn't do my britches no favors either. He steps into the, 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 this car is dark at this point in time because it's, it has no windows. It's got materials, you know, for the cars and whatnot. So there's no windows. You can barely see him. And, uh, he steps over and he's just like, you need any help up there? What else is going on? I... Yeah, we do. Uh, both of the doctors got their hands full with folk. It's, uh, Bixby and the engineer up front. I'm off to fetch their medicine bag, but... Uh, if you can get uh, a couple men up there, we could use some help carrying people. He gives a nod, turns, and heads back with you as he is going to help recruit. As you enter the first-class car, it's lit, and several of the windows are broken. Um, sitting on the floor in the front area is the bartender. He uh, He's currently bandaging the wound of the accountant, who is also on the floor. Looks like he got shot in the arm. Um, to our luck, the... Uh, large Mr. Vandenberg. He does not seem to have been injured in the fray. He, too, is assisting his friend who's on the ground. Um, uh, Vandenberg was the banker? Yes. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, Vandenberg sees you guys enter and whatnot, and at this point in time, you notice that there's blood on the back 
of Malone's jacket. He's wearing like a shirt and a vestment and a jacket. They're kind of like open and whatnot. And you can see that the characteristic point in his shoulder where there's a spot of darker red. And this was on who? I'm sorry. Malone. Frank Malone, the uh, Pony Express rider, the one that Bixby hired to guard people. Gotcha. Uh, is anybody dealing with Frank? I know you no. said the bartender's patching up, so okay. Frank's walking with you to get more people. Okay, I, I missed that. My bad. Uh, I thought it was new people in the new room. Um, well, all right then. I'll just say, hey, Frank, you stay here. Uh, somebody slap a bandage on that real quick. I'm going to go fetch this medical bag, uh, and I'll meet you back up on my way forward. I apologize. My description fell short because the car you were in beforehand was dark, and now that you've entered a car that's lit, you can see that Frank, who was with I can you, see that he's, he's injured. Yeah. He looks to you and says, oh, I've been hurt a lot worse than this. I'll be fine. It went clean through, hit nothing important. Well... I figure a splash of whiskey on there still wouldn't do you no harm. So just sit tight for a minute. I'll be back in a sec. As you head at this point in time, so you're, um, Frank tells, you know, the other men folk in the room what's that there's help needed up in the front car. Um, Vandenberg turns and says, uh, what kind of help is needed? Um, which to Malone shrugs, says the two docks are up there putting people back together, I guess. They're looking for some help carrying folk. I figure even you could do that. He gives a nod. I'll make my way that way. And he taps the uh, bartender on the shoulder and says, make sure to give him something strong. And at which time you realize Vandenberg is tipping the bartender. You know, give him like a tip here. Give my friend something strong to drink. And he's stepping out and walking past you. All right. I figure even a broken clock can be, can be right once or twice a day. All right. At this point in time, you hear a voice from behind you. Arlie. Miss Lorraine. Turning around, you see the door to the room that Lorraine is in. She comes out and immediately rushes over to you. Um, stopping in front of you, she grasps you by the hand. Are you okay? And, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Uh, let's, let's walk and talk a little bit. Uh, he'll kind of back away, but he'll give her a tug by the hand. Uh, switch the rifle over to his offhand, you know, and and give her a little tug to, like, we're just, we're just gonna go for a normal little romantic moonlight walk sure. to go fetch a medical bag in the middle of multiple American attacks, supernatural threats, train crash, or whatever. Like, it's, it's it hasn't warm. crashed yet. Yeah, it's working on it, though. Okay. Um, Moving into the business class car, um, there are a number of people around at this point in time still watching out the windows and stuff like that. Um, you enter and as you're going, you're mentioning the two docks are up front. We've got some injured. Other people begin reporting back out. So-and-so has been shot. So-and-so has been nicked, stuff like that. And so the word starts spreading. People start heading in different directions. You walk to Miss, you walk with her to their little sectioned off area, their little benchy area where their bags and stuff are. And she, as you pick it up and start rummaging through, she says, what are you looking for? Uh, I need a medical bag. I don't she points up. Up. He's up. Look, up. There we go. All right. You fish out the bag, and in doing so, several of their other smaller bags and implements fall. In them, amongst them, a book lands on the ground, one that seems to be leather-bound, and it falls open. Strange pictures are the first thing you notice, like some sort of storybook. You're not really sure what you see. But the next thing that happens, make a quickness roll. Something else falls. Okay. Let's see here, just base quickness. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. This game has a skill called hand-eye coordination. Don't they? No, it's a stat. Um... 
deafness. Yeah, I mean, there's deafness, nimbleness, and quickness. It's... I think deafness or... I, I don't know. Am I trying to stop something from happening or am I trying stop to do something? Stop things from falling. Okay. Uh, I can... Either one, actually. It's your call. I, I'm pretty solid on both deafness and quickness. Uh, spoiler alert. So, up to you. Do deafness. Your dark number is a fair. I also, this is me checking to make sure that I got the dice roller set up for everybody to see. All right. And I believe I put it in right. Exclamation, exclamation, keep one. Uh, so I'm sitting on a six. Excellent. Which beats a five, you grab a small bottle of whiskey that seems to fall down from amongst their stuff. Catch it in your hand. Oh, a gift from heaven. And he will casually tuck it into a pocket. Like, just like, oh, that's good luck. <laughs> uh, so he'll hold on to that. Um, and then, out of character, I'm sorry, but it's been like six weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't a fancy leather-bound book something that the Pinkertons took from Lorraine? They did, but they gave it back as well. This is a okay. separate fancy book, and there's a lot more important information why this one's appeared. <clears throat> Foreshadowing. Okay. Lorraine uh, might argue that. Uh, um, then, yeah, I'll just I'll shut it and... and tuck it back up on the shelf underneath something so it's kind of up and away. Okay. Uh, but he's not going to care much about, like, secondary bags. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, listen, I got the medical kit. I put their book away, so it's not going to get hurt. Because uh, he also, he had some experience with that Texas Ranger Bible. So he knows that books books can have important stuff in them. Right. So kind of be careful with that, but he'll pocket the whiskey uh, and then tuck the medical bag under his arm. Okay. Uh, and then Oh, sorry, go ahead. But what really happens is after you catch the bottle and you start putting things back, Lorraine has picked up the book and she's staring at it. And so she ha she you, you she hands it back to you and, and quickly, oh, this was there. And so you put it back. But there, she helped as well, putting things back that had fallen. So you sure, get no problem. You grab the whiskey, the bag, and you begin heading back up toward the front of the train. We're going to skip back. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll tell Lorraine, I'm like, uh, Miss McDade's towards the front, too, uh, with the doctors, if you want to come with. Yes, I want to go with you. I don't want to be alone right now. All right. So, yeah, now you can jump. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right. Um, you are with him, and after he sticks his arm, it's a couple of moments that Bixby kind of seems to relax a bunch, and he's breathing. His breathing is there, and it's not good. And you know that for a fact that it's really kind of shallow. And so you're just like, there might be some worry. But as you are there waiting for something to happen, Vandenberg coming onto the flat car with you guys was not what you were expecting. And to make it a bit more tense, as Vandenberg is walking up, he does have that tiny little pistol of his drawn out as he's walking. Not leveled at anybody, but just in hand. He sees the two of you. And do you want to say anything? Um, I kind of watch him uh, cautiously um, out of the corner of my eye, but I start uh, whispering um, a, a prayer, um, like just reaching out to God for, for guidance and, and help. Uh, for okay. Well, Vanderberg puts the pistol away and calls out and says, the ruffian set me up this way saying you need help. <laughs> uh, Dr. Webb, needs help uh, carrying uh, uh, Bixby into a brighter car so we can get him the help he needs. Vandenberg nods and immediately takes off his outer jacket, showing that he's wearing like a, a blue 
jacket that has a blue shirt, long sleeve shirt with like pearl like stuff embroidered on it. And uh, he'll take that off as well quickly. He's not like going slow about it, but he's taking it off and he folds it up and he sets it into the car. And uh, he says, mind me, ma'am, this is going to take a bit. And he, you know, if you could give me a hand, get him up. And Vanderberg and his massiveness leans down and scoops up Bixby and just hoists him back up and starts maneuvering if back toward the other cars. Uh, I, I kind of look to Webb and, and follow whatever direction, or if, if he just starts walking after, I'll start. Webb is following after, and as Webb sees you follow, he says, go to the engine, see if you can give Dr. Walters any help. Hopefully more people are coming, and thank you. Uh, of course. Uh, send someone for me if you need me back. Uh, gives a nod. Take care of him, and I'll take off running. All right. You maneuver along the length uh, from the flat car into the car with all the horses, or do you follow uh, the Ollie route and head for the roof? Uh, uh, no, I'll, I'll run from car to car. Like a lady that I'm pretending to be. <laughs> all right, so you don't Ollie up on the top and you rush through the cars. Uh, I, I finally got to use it. I've been waiting. Um, and when you get to the front, you find the engineer, you find Dr. Walters. Dr. Walters is right now talking up a storm as you're coming up along the side of the car. And he's just like, that's of course when we ran across these several uh, Irishmen who were most decidedly uh, breaking the law as they were removing things from the building. Um, and you can see that he's uh, just sitting next to the engineer and the engineer has some sort of like it might be a piece of metal or something. It just looks like a, in the darkness, it's kind of glistening looking and it's across his midsection. The engineer's sitting up next to him. They're sitting next to the door. And uh, the the other gentleman who's up here, the shoveler, is standing nearby and he's making adjustments. Walter seems to be talking a story of some type. The engineer seems to be directing the shoveler and the shoveler seems to be doing something with the engine itself. Steam and smoke are pouring out at this point in time, and you can see what looks like fire spewing out the sides of the front of the engine, as well as what looks like a, the rib cages of an animal are sticking out as well, because it's those pipes that have bur been bursted out. And so it's kind of a, a strange scene as you walk upon it, some sort of thing that you might assume you would see in uh, purgatory or hell. You come across these, uh, as you walk up, Dr. Walters, kind of stops this conversation upon seeing you walking out of the... Do you want me? No, not yet. Oh, not yet. Okay. No, this should be fine for checking up on me, making sure I'm eating. Audience knows I haven't yet. Um, and so he kind of stops his, his story, but the shoveler continues to, like, pull down on the lever, begin making an adjustment and stuff like that. Do y'all need help? Dr. Webb sent me up here to see if I could assist. The engineer looks to you and says, Yes, uh, Dr. Walters is no longer needed. Just, I'll be fine. Send someone else. Uh, so the engineer's injured, right? But Do Dr. Walters just hasn't been working on him? You're, you're not, from what you can see, it looks like he's got something on his midsection. And Dr. Walters um, is sitting next to him, just having a day, uh, talking. Maybe he has done something. Maybe he hasn't. You're not, not really sure what the hell's going on, but it looks odd. And it, it doesn't look like what you would expect to have seen. All right. Um, Dr. Walters, uh, 
Dr. Webb could use your um, your expertise um, as seeing to Bixby. It's it's a little unusual here. Um, so he, he, he requested your I kind of like my eyes flicker to the engineer. The engineer gives you a nod. Walter gives you a nod. Excellent. Besides, his wounds are bad, but as long as he doesn't move too much, and as soon as I can get my kit, I can... And the engineer's like, we've got it. Just go. God damn. Won't shut up. Walter stands up, gives him a pat on the shoulder. He's like, ah, oh, you know, and, and starts walking off. Walters happily says, as passing you by, my work here is done. He heads, heads past you. I give him a bright smile, but then I uh, look to the engineer. Um, is there anything I can do? Uh, Dr. Webb is is busy at the moment, so it might be a while before you get some, some help this way. You got any whiskey, rum, something I strong? Can, I can get you some. If you don't have it, I've opened the box over there. Oh, I'm like, my keys are in my pocket. And he kind of fishes some keys out. If you can get my little stash out, that would be great. Last thing uh, I wanted to show is that man I had a stash over here. He'd get drunk and just not shut up even more. Understood. My, uh, I'll fish for the keys and um, go grab some of that stash. All right. Produce a bottle of uh, Tucky bourbon, and you and him have a seat with some small makeshift metal cups. And he asked, are you okay, seeing all the blood on you? Oh, I'm fine. This isn't mine. It, it's Mr. Bixby had a, had a rough go. That's who Dr. Webb is working on. You see this actually bothers the engineer. He lowers his eyes for a moment and then raises his tin cup to yours. Hopefully we don't lose the old dog. Yeah, hopefully we don't lose the old dog tonight. Agreed. I, I think he's in good hands. I'll drink to it. All right. Time passes, Ollie, you're able to get to the front car. You meet Dr. Walters halfway by, and he's like, oh, my bad, great. You guys engage. It's like, you're going across the flat car. He's coming out of the car with all the animals. He's like, Ollie, you've got my bag. Great. I can go back up to the engine. Uh, yeah, re reckon you can. Excellent. Uh, um, Miss McDade is up there assisting the engineer. Uh, he's not in too much of trouble. But he definitely needs some gauze. The the wound is and some surgery. Um, I wouldn't move him. So uh, there's another bag back with my things. Oh, <laughs> Miss Lorraine, and he tips his hat. I didn't see you there hiding behind Ollie. And Lorraine doesn't say anything. Uh, but I I need another one of my bags with uh, sewing kit and surgical. Well, here's this bag to start, and uh, let me go. What's, what's the other one look like? Um, he begins describing it and, and telling you, and which to which um, you remember when the bag fell, it popped open. That smaller bag that he's describing is on the inside. So it all works out. It all works out for a moment. A lot of talking this with Dr. Walters and y'all, the three of you head toward the engine <clears throat> and begin assisting the engineer. We won't go into the cringeworthy details of the fact the engineer is bothered by Dr. Walters not shutting up through the entire operation. You guys lay him out, get plenty of light, begin cleaning his wounds, sit back, relax. And while this is all going on, um, Lorraine is there with you guys and she gets your attention and she wants to like, make, she makes like a gesture, like she reaches out and she tugs on your sleeve, like she wants you to step back and talk to her. To be clear, was that and or Anne? Anne. Oh, uh, yeah, what is it? As she moves you back around the corner uh, near the coal bin, she will tell you, she says, I do not know what is going on, but as everything was happening, 
I heard a voice cry out, a powerful voice say, I can teach you a trick that will help you defeat him. I have no idea what that means. I don't either, but, um... Did you hear the same voice? I, I didn't. Was it when we were together in the car, or...? No. No, it was before the loud noise. It might have something to do with maybe your, uh... And I, I kind of, like, lean forward and whisper like I'm saying a, a bad word, but... Cards. Bone. Maybe. I do not know. I am just worried now. This train ride, it is only getting worse. Um... I, I, I agree. It's been a, a heck of a ride. Um, I'm not sure about the voice, but you let me know if you hear it again. Um, but I was gonna go uh, check out and see, because those um, those those dog soldiers uh, and there's like venom in her voice when she says that. Um, they they came on board and got off board real fast. So I'm thinking that they found something. Uh, you want to go look around with me and see what's missing? She nods her head yes. Uh, uh, do you say anything to the rest of these individuals who are hanging out at the engine? We're going to go for a walk and uh, step away from uh, the blood here. See see uh, if everyone else is okay and if um, maybe maybe figure out what those um, soldiers were at. Uh, I'll come with you. I say immediately distance my, myself from Dr. Walters uh, uh, since the engineer can't. Um, yeah, so I'll take a walk with the, uh, the pretty young ladies instead of with the Pinkerton agent that talks to I'll, uh, as I leave, I'll kind of give a sympathetic smile to the engineer and, uh, um, nudge his, uh, whiskey bottle a little closer. All right. As we move forward, I do apologize to my two players. I forgot to make sure that you guys drew chips at the beginning of the game. Hey, that's right. And so if you guys get a moment, go ahead and draw your three trips. Chip trips chips and i'll take care of mine as well um as the three of you begin walking away the one of the first cars you walk into is one of the, the cargo cars um that's the one right past the coal car and you guys enter it now um as you walk in and you remember that there is a special piece of cargo inside this car that gives you the willies yep that's what i was looking for all right um that container is open. I want to go take a peek inside. All right. A four and a half foot black stone, it's kind of pearly and shiny, rests amongst the hay. It's a standing crate, so it's about, the stone itself is probably about four and a half feet in length or height. We'll say height. And the crate itself is just a little higher. And then the width of it is probably about two foot and the stone on the inside is probably about eight inches in width at most all sides are very smooth the edges are smooth as well um, as you walk toward it you have a sensation inside of your guts something kind of twitches ollie you're walking in behind uh did you walk in first ollie or do you follow up behind the two ladies uh okay. like ollie would probably have tried to be in front but since you described it to her first that's fine so instead he'll like gallantly be holding the door open uh for them so he'll be third in line sounds great by the way radio thank you for those chip donations to help bring down the trail boss if the trail boss goes down the players will get some extra chips uh, or the 
Marshall gets some extra chips. It's wherever you want to give them to. When um, you hold the door open, you're stepping in. Have you stepped in this car yet? I think I was here earlier when we, uh, is this the same car that had the, uh, the bodies in it or no? No, that's the back of the train. That's the front. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I think I might've only gone over this one. I agree. I understand. Okay. So as you hold the door open, the ladies step in, um, and steps in and she immediately like, it's probably about a good eight to nine feet in. She immediately goes in that direction, like veers off to one side amongst all the cargo. And it's like, do, do, do. Like she knew where she was going. Like she was intended to be here. And she stops and she looks in and she, she's playing with it. And as she starts to reach in, uh, Lorraine rushes up, grabs a hold of her, the sleeve. And it's like, no, don't touch it. Why? She, she pulls back away from it, you. And she goes, I feel something, Ollie. Uh, instead of asking why not to touch it, why not ask yourself why you was about to touch it? I mean, it was just so smooth and, and, and I don't know, you ever, like, see a, a, a button you just really want to poke? <laughs> I saw the case was open and, and I just wanted to uh, see what, was, what it was. And the case is open and straws strewed across the ground. And on the floor, as you guys are looking about and whatnot, Ollie, as you're being observant, because like I said, Anne went right there. There are a pair of moccasin boots on the other side of the car, sticking out from like a little alleyway almost. Okay, then. Uh, They're on the ground, wh so whoever owns them is also on the ground. Uh, yeah, Ollie's gonna head over that away, uh, transfer his rifle to his left hand, just give a little like, like this to the ladies to like stay back, mm -hmm. uh, and he'll make his way over uh, towards that pair of uh, moccasins. All right. Um, do you want, uh, how do you want to, because it's like a amongst the crates, there's alleyways between the, two, the, the aisles. And so this person is kind of like on another aisle in between. So his feet are sticking out and he must be laying on the ground. And I say he because of the size of his boots and legs. And I think it's mostly been, been dudes that we saw. Um, are the toes up or are the toes down? Up. Okay, so then lying on their back. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go like over an aisle and and try to head up from a little bit unexpected direction. All right, you swoop to a different aisle. At this point in time, and as the questioning started, then he held up his hand and whatnot. You gaze around for a moment to try to figure out what Holly's doing, and it becomes very clear that a pair of moccasined feet are nearby on the ground, and Ollie looks like he's trying to circumvent and get or circumnavigate to the other side of the individual who's taking a nap. Um, as soon as I see that, kind of my, my face kind of darkens from that curiosity um, uh, to like this very serious like contemplation. Um, and my, my fingers kind of like grab at my skirt, like I'm about to lift it. But as I like look back to Ollie, um, I like clench, I, I release the skirt and my hands clench into a fist as I restrain myself. <laughs> okay, and um, Lorraine, of course, at this point in time is in shock. She's pulling back, she's scared. She doesn't have guns. You wouldn't even know what to do when she was holding it, poor thing. Uh, she would probably run terrified. You know, if that thing, that Indian was suddenly right there, it gets up. Ollie, as you come around the corner, the Indian is laying on the ground. Um, his his body is amidst the cargo where like he is kind of half up, half down, like this strange arch between the boxes. You can see that there is no skin on his face. 
There's nothing left of his eyes. A skull protrudes from a bloodied head um, for the most part. It's like it's been, the flesh has just been blasted off with some sort of heat. The hair is still there. His hand nearby is singed, burnt. Bits of it are missing, and it's more like nub-like than it is actually hand-like, but at this moment in time, you realize it is hand-like. Okay. Go uh, ahead and make me my first, <laughs> My first thought on the missing face, by the way, was like, I don't remember uh, Miss McDay doing exactly that to anybody. But then you got onto the fire and stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, no, this isn't one of her. <laughs> so, one second, let me roll my gut. Uh, that is a five. And that is a fair, uh, it was a fair target number, so you rolled fair, so you've seen bad stuff. This is one of them. Uh, so he'll relax a little, like he had his hand hovering uh, over his holster. Uh, for for either of the pistols because he wasn't sure if he was going to need the magic one or the quick one. Mm -hmm. So he was like, ah, I bet I'm faster than whoever this is. So that's why he didn't actually have one drawn. But he'll be like, oh, okay. Uh, And just kind of relax visibly. Uh, And then he'll make a face like, oh, yeah, yeah, never mind. Um, And he'll just go try to kind of manhandle the guy by like a belt Mm -hmm. or something if I could just kind of upend him. Yes. Just kind of get him to roll like face down between some crates instead of lying there looking all, uh, you know, face melted off, like face up. Let's get him just kind of face down. And that's enough for now. And then he'll just kind of holler out from behind the crates. Uh, Never mind you two. Uh, He's uh, pretty dead. And then all he's going to look around to see if he can spot what killed him like here. Because you said it looked like one hand and his face. And I'm wondering if he was, like, carrying something over this way. Uh, but, yeah, Ollie is just going to kind of kick the corpse out of the way a little bit and just look around to see if he can spot something. Search roll. Yes. Uh, not my strong point. And? That is a five. All right. Miss McDade, uh, Ollie has moved over. He's put his gun away, right? Started from uh, yeah, yeah, he still has his uh, the rifle, like, in his offhand holding it by like the foregrip type of thing, you know, but yeah, he, you just kind of hear him thumping around a body a little. Kind of forgetting the stone um, for a second. Um, he said it, but like, I have to, I have to see it to ve- like, it, it'll bother me if I don't. So I kind of um, creep over there and, uh, and look at the, the body he turned over. Guts check. Oh, uh, he got burned pretty bad. Oh, too late. Ollie, did you remember that your guts check is at a minus one? Uh, I did not. No. Yes. So if that would not have made it, um, who would say it was was difficulty five, five. right? Yep. Yeah. Um, all right then. Let's. Uh, you can spend white chips one at a time. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Uh, I'm just gonna sling a couple extra d6s and see what happens. Because I don't feel like backtracking and suddenly Ollie has to hoard. Yeah. Mm. We're going to say that you're stealing yourself at this point in time. Okay. <clears throat> you're bothered. Um, so you're stealing yourself against the situation, but for the purpose, you're trying to show as strong as you possibly can. But this has unnerved you to the point that moving forward, I'm going to penalize you with an, a minus one for probably the length of the scene, as you need a moment to okay. go find some liquid courage to regain your... Yeah, luckily I've got some in my pocket. Uh, so that free hand that he was going to quick draw a pistol with, he will instead do like a nimble little fast draw 
of, of this like travel-sized whiskey bottle. Mm-hmm. So like it give twirl around its finger real quick. Uh, and he, uh, you know, chomps out the cork and, and takes a swig or two. Cause he's also had a pretty big day. Like, so he deserves it. NPCs, it's me, Remel Turnus, and I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to our Patreon backers. Seriously, your support makes all of what we do possible, and we are all extremely grateful for each and every one of you. If you aren't yet a Patreon backer, you can head over to www.patreon.com slash to check out the different tiers and rewards we have available. All Patreons get access to our podcast releases a week early, get their names in the credits of our live streamed shows, have first dibs on any casting calls for new games and shows we produce, and more. Once again, you can join our Heroes Hall at www.patreon.com slash and thank you all again for listening. Now back to the show. You woke up from a head concussion earlier in the day because yesterday your gun blew up in your hands as Indians were... Man, your days are so far all about stopping Indians from taking this train. Yeah, uh, which, and again, this is Ollie turning over a a pretty good leaf. You know, he's been protecting folk and and living up to what Sergeant Harris would have wanted done. So, you know, he, uh, he deserves a little treat. Just this one bottle. So that perception roll you made is not enough. You're trying to look around, figure things out, but your head's swimming. Your hand's holding the bottle and your mind's like, get ready to shoot it, get ready to shoot it. You don't feel safe right now. And that's how we're gonna move forward at this point in time. And you come around the corner. Did you make your guts check? You did. I did, I got an eight. You can see the result of this Indian's death. He definitely lost the front part of his face, as well as you can see his nubbified hand. I uh, narrow my eyes and think, good. All right. Um, Is he, if, can I look between like him and the stone, is there a direct path that he like might've come from the stone? Like if he had gotten blown? Uh, yes, there, unless you have like D6s and smarts. Do you have, you don't have D6s smarts. What's your smarts? Let me check. I mean, D4s is definitely like, yeah, you ain't got no clue. You, see, you can still roll. You can still roll. I'm not gonna say no because you throw chips into it. I have a 3D6. Go ahead and make that smarts roll. We'll make it a, we'll make it a full proof. Yeah, that should be fine. Yes. He definitely got, whatever happened, there is a straight line between him and the stone as you're kind of looking. You notice that there is a crates. They look like they have been hit and deceived, you know, kind of shoved around a bit. They've been moved and twisted. One of them has fallen over the other side and near the base of the crate, as you're looking, there's a section of that straw that looks like it was burnt or caught on fire. So as you're like looking at it, running your eyes along to look over here, you catch a glance of that burnt section of straw. I, I look from him back to the, the stone with my eyes wide, like, really glad I didn't touch that. 
Ollie's gonna kind of squint suspiciously around and be like, maybe we ought to just uh, put the lid back on that thing. Lorraine agrees. I'll nod too. Because it looks to me like maybe burning out from the inside like that might be something that happens if you touch a thing called the Devil Rock. Uh, hey, where's a preacher at anyhow? He might know something about this. Uh, but yeah, Ollie will look around for a lid, uh, like the top of that crate. Okay, not far, you find it. It was on the floor. So, the three of you make efforts to put it back on? Yeah, I think so. In the process of getting it back in there, um, you guys find the head of a tomahawk, a metal tomahawk head that is warped, uh, and it is amongst the straw that's all burnt. But you don't find a handle, nor the rest of his hand. All right, you were able to get the lid closed, and the disaster, or a disaster of touching it, has been averted. Hey, uh, you, you ladies just sit tight for a second. I'm going to just get rid of this guy. He is uh, woefully unpleasant to look upon. So uh, you ladies glance forward, and I'll drag him back. Because, uh, like, is the train still moving? Yes. Yeah, so I'm just going to, like, grab this guy by the belt or something, and just kind of haul him backwards between the cars and give him a chunk over the side. Right. He does not smell the greatest um, in the sense that he has a burnt-off face, but, I mean, you, that's something to be expected. You toss his, toss him out the side door. It's probably locked. No, he came through the side. So you, have the, you grab a hold of the side door, you're able to slide it open, you realize that they busted it, so you're able to toss him out, and... Visually, you can tell by the way the tra- trees are flying by, the train has definitely slowed down quite a bit. It's fine. I just, as long as I was able to get rid of some, uh, some terribly unpleasant uh, remains. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yep, Ollie will give him a chuck. Uh, he'll give him a little bit of a wave. We're like, ah, eh, he probably wants to stay close to home, anywho. Uh, and then he'll heave the, I imagine it's one of those like sliding doors, uh, like, and he'll just heave that shut. Uh, and then, like, pat his hands together, like, job well done to himself as he moseys back to the women folk. All right. Lorraine keeps her distance from the box and steps past it. And she, as you shut the door, she looks to you, looks to Anne, and says, I think this is what they want. Well, they gave up mighty quick if uh, they saw what it did to one of their... Did we forget a word or did it get cut off? One of their friends. Okay. Sorry, I think you just let up on the microphone just a second early. And then Oops. I was like, but wait, maybe she's also trying to figure out how Miss McDade would refer to one of these guys. It's like, maybe it was a purposeful pause. That's why I wasn't jumping. Uh, yeah, My Holly pauses are it. extra dramatic. <laughs> it, it could have been. It's a dramatic situation. Um, so yeah, Ollie will give a thoughtful nod. Yeah, uh, figure this maybe begs the question on who on this train is shipping this thing anyhow? I think we got some solid questions that need answered, uh, but I liked, uh, I, I think um, Father Cross might have thoughts on uh, this box, right? Yeah, maybe he's got some uh, special trick of keeping something closed or sanctified or something like that. I don't know. Let's find him. Uh, Ollie is going to try and manhandle another crate like on top of this one. Like, are they packed close enough that I could probably kind of do that without 
terrible effort just to kind of it's covered up let's make it a little bit harder for somebody to notice it of course and try to get into it of course yes not a problem you can definitely get it tucked away out of the main view in fact just shifting another crate or two in the way makes it more difficult for other people to even find it i'm not going to but i'm really tempted to have like Ollie struggle with like moving this giant heavy box and then Anna comes over and is like, here I'll help. <laughs> and she reaches out with a pinky and lifts it up. <laughs> um Alright then, let's uh Yeah, let's mosey on back in the general direction of the caboose and see if we can't find us a holy man. Agreed. And you do. Getting back to the business class and the passenger car, they have been turned into small but makeshift hospitals to tend to those who have taken whatever kind of wound that they might have taken during the entire event. The engineer is not back here, but of course, so is neither is Dr. Walters. He must still be up there assisting the engineer and uh, being tending to him and stuff. Um, Webb is back here and he is rather active. He's getting the help from Miss uh, one of the other, another young lady here who's uh, acting as a nurse, uh, yeah, a, a mom or a mother of one of the other, or a wife to one of the other passengers. And so we have like a, a little triage going for each individual, checking them out, making sure that they're tended to. Um, Bixby is stretched out in one of the business class areas and he's asleep. Um, Webb is in there right now, fishing around in his guts to pull out um, a bullet. Um, you find Father Cross in the back administering to two of the other passengers who weren't so lucky. Um, as far as it goes, these are other passengers who were in uh, either, the one was in the business class and the other one was in the passenger car. Um, the business class individual was a businessman from New York. I haven't really involved him because he's always been sticking out. He doesn't get involved in things. So he, that was just his personality. But now he's was in the way and got tomahawked by one of the invaders. The passenger car was the postman, not the Pony Express rider, but one of the local postmen's for Dodge City coming home. He had stand ground several times uh, against invasion, but. It wasn't so lucky this time as he got sniped in the face by one of the, the riders on horses. So it was quick for him, but not for the businessman from New York, which is sad. Father Cross is doing last rites on them and as he's working toward moving them toward the back of the train. When you express to him, uh, so we're, we're at that point, he's working with people, he's saying prayers over bodies. We've got to the point where it stopped. You guys are helping out in other different ways. I'm assuming whatever you help somebody move, go check on Miss Thompson, stuff like that. Father Cross gets a moment to be free as you've let him, I, we need to talk to you. So he gets a moment to be privately with you and we'll say in Anne's car, in, in her room, in Anne's room. Sure. So, I'll lead you. I'll lead the way. Okay. So the, uh, are you including Lorraine in this conversation? If if she'd like, I'm not excluding her. She has really. I don't see that she has a desire to be engaged. She doesn't. Engage. She wants to stay near people at this point in time. So All right. she can stay in the passenger car and keep helping out. I guess. Okay. If that works for her. So. All right. The three of you enter the room. Shut the door. And how do you describe to Father Cross what you found and what's going on? Uh, hey, Padre, I think we found that devil rock that these boys seem to be after. Uh, and I also think it did a number on one of them what touched it. 
So I'm wondering if there's maybe something you can do to purify it, sanctify it, lock it down tight, something like that. He gives a nod and says there are some rituals. There is at least one ritual I know of that I can do that can help reduce any kind of demonic influence. Well, it didn't look particularly angelic, so maybe it is the other thing. All right. He looks... Uh, do you have anything to add, Anne? No, I, I kind of uh, purposefully keep quiet because uh, I don't want the anger to co- color my words about the uh, Indians, so... That's fair. Um, so the father says he and Ollie can go tend to this if you... Because he points out that you still look like... You're still weighing quite a bit of big speed. I look down and go, all right, I'll uh, I'll just uh, change a moment. <laughs> all right, so you two step out, um, and and as you're making efforts to get changed, um, you're, you're we'll say you got changed. You're putting the clothes away. There's a quick tap at the door, and it opens, and it's Lorraine. She comes in, goes, I just heard something. I heard something terrible. It was like a scream. This has been a few minutes after they've left. Uh, uh, like a woman's scream? No, an angry man's voice screaming. Did you not hear that? It was really loud. All right, Lorraine. Lorraine. No, I didn't. I'm glad you told me. Um... She's like looking around. I was so scared. Nobody moved. Only I seemed to move and hear it. And you didn't hear it either. And she's like, I'm going crazy. Do you think maybe it could have something to do with that vibe? She just stares at you. I do not know. Only my master would be able to tell me. I bet you that that box is uh, is no good. I think I think I felt something while we were in that room that kind of deep down disgusted me. Uh, and I think that uh, you know, as as Ollie said, it was a devil's stone or something like that. We there, there's probably evil in that box. She gives a sigh. I am going to have so much problems sleeping tonight. I think we all are. Um, and I know that that it's hard to uh, maybe tag along and see some of what we're seeing, but I think you should stay close to me. And if you hear something, I mean, it didn't seem to happen while I was with you. She's like, I don't want you to leave my side. If you have to go anywhere, I want to be right there. I am so scared. All right. I, I, I put my uh, arm around her reassuringly and say, uh, I won't leave you alone. I promise. She says, the only other person I feel safe with is Ali. He is a nice man, but he makes me feel safe, and I don't know why. Uh, I kind of uh, smile a little bit and uh, go, uh, uh, he seems like a a very good man. So we're going to segue at this point in time. Ali, you and Father Cross are up the front. You've got to the box, you pointed out, you guys had a quick conversation as you explained a few things. He pulls out his holy Bible, pulls out some incense and some oil and begins making some gestures. As soon as like the first few drops of this oil hit the box, you hear a bellowing scream. It's like really loud and you'll take a D6 in wind and damage. Something yells, no! Two. Uh, Looks like two. So it definitely for a moment, whatever Father Cross did, when it hit that box, it like pushed you back and you felt it. I felt with uh without realizing it, Ollie's gonna draw the Ranger's gun. Okay. Uh, like without even meaning to, just like that sort of supernatural threat. He uh he just busts out like the super quick draw, like instinctively, um, 
and there's probably a little ripple because he's about to do a hex type of thing, just like the instincts kicking in. Uh, but he forces himself to kind of give it a little twirl and put it away instead, and then just kind of squints worriedly at the at the preacher and the box, because uh, I'm hoping that uh, we're not gonna make. Um, Father Cross's head explode by having him tamper with this. So, yeah, I keep kind of a worried eye out. Father Cross stops as he realizes what's happened, and he looks over his shoulder, you know, when you draw your gun, because he can hear it, and he goes, Son, is everything okay? Uh, not, not real great. Uh, I reckon that means you didn't hear nothing just now. He sprinkles another thing of oil onto it. The hissing sound can definitely be heard as like a, a, a snake hissing. And he's like, no, I, I did not. He closes his Bible and he turns to look at you and he goes, huh, uh, you got a bit of, he makes a gesture to your nose. Huh? Blood. Oh. Huh. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll just finish up here, Padre. I'm almost done. Uh, and I'll give him like a nod towards the box, like, like, let's go ahead and do whatever needs done. He throws some salt onto the ground, makes some more gestures, and a silenced, a dim voice says, your God cannot keep me in here. I will get out. You will need me. Ollie spits on the box. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like standard cowpoke <laughs> type of thing. Uh, and then gives, gives it a very polite tip of his hat. He goes, good job, Padre. Reckon that takes care of that. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, you and Father Cross uh, begin taking a slow walk back as he asks you what you heard. Yeah, and Ollie will tell him, he's like, uh, well, I reckon it's been a good half hour or so now, but when we was wrapping up this fight up towards the engine, uh, had a little bit of a tickle in the back of my mind offering me some extra power if I needed it. I said, no, thank you, uh, and just kept on shooting. But uh, sounds like it's just about that same voice now. Uh, when you started sealing that puppy up, uh, and then promising it was gonna escape, uh, right when you was finishing. I, uh, I know a little bit about a little bit. I learned some from the ranger what gave me his gun and such. But, uh, Father, I'm beginning to suspect maybe the Devil Rock is up to no good. He gives a nod and says, I would believe so too. I'm not sure about why the natives are trying to get it, or find it, or why they know about it. But I keep thinking back to that poor man back from the other train car, got up, came up this way, gave us all hell that last night. Uh, I wonder, Padre, do you think it'd be too big a sin to just haul that crate out the side door, give it a good kick? Like, maybe the best thing we might do is go ahead and let them dog soldiers deal with this problem. He gives a nod. It's not my property, but the good Lord would tell me that if that is a artifact or work of the devil, it probably needs to be destroyed. I don't know if these Indians have that intent. Yeah, I was a little bit worried you'd answer with something like that. Figured it couldn't hurt to ask, though. He gives a nod. I'm gonna think on it. I'll think on it. Yeah, I mean, if you're worried about it counting as a theft or something, I'll take care of it for you. Doesn't need to be on your conscience, Padre. I think this is definitely something the church needs to know about. We have the people who can take care of it. All right. Uh, if it's safer with us and getting taken care of, and you're the expert. 
we might want to move it to the back of the train or something, get it farther away from I don't know about that just yet. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we hauled it back to the caboose, it'd be easier to get rid of if we do have to get rid of it. Can't they just detach a car or something? I guess it not. I heard that they can. Might be something to keep in mind, I suppose. Uh, I don't suppose maybe anybody riding with us has expressed any concern about this box. Wanted to come looking for it or nothing? We need to talk to Bigsby and the engineer about that then. I'm- Yeah, I'm kind of wondering whose it is and how they got a hold of it and what they want to do with it next. It gives a nod. I'm about to head to the front of the train to go help out with the engineer. Bigsby's in the back getting worked on, getting a bullet pulled out by Webb. Perhaps you go over there and see what you can figure out if he comes to. And I'm going to go see if I can't help Walters patch together the engineer so we can make sure we get the dodge tomorrow. The sun comes up in about six hours, and I want to make sure we're still moving forward. Yeah, maybe you could distract Dr. Walters and give the engineer a brief respite as well. So, yeah, good luck up front, Padre. I'm going to head out back. All right. Two of you part ways. You head back to the back of the back toward the passenger cars themselves. Passenger business class, first class. Do you want to swing by and say anything to Anne or Lorraine? Uh, last I heard of Miss McDade, she was getting changed. So I don't want to wander too close to her room just now. Like I know I'm walking past her room because we're on a damn train. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like he's not gonna gonna force the issue. He's got an errand to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he'll go check on Bixby first before doubling back. And maybe the ladies went back to that car anyway, because we saw some other ladies that were playing nurse. So yeah, he's not gonna bug them. Uh, he'll just head on back. Okay. You get back to the car where Bixby is supposed to be at. Lorraine was back here assisting with uh, nursing, as far as you knew, uh, but she's not here anymore. You walk into the medical area with, um, you walk into the medical area with um, Webb and Bixby and wait for some opportunity to talk to him. Uh, If Bixby is still passed out, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just mosey on past and I'm gonna check a little further back in the train because I haven't really been past this car. So Ollie will just kind of keep on doing Bixby's job to an extent because he knows Bixby's out of it and Ollie's pretty sure he's the best shot around uh, whether Bixby's awake or not. So yeah, Ollie will mosey on back to the back cars. I'm not looking for any like super in-depth role play if you're not, but he'll just kind of go through the motions of making sure folks are okay, see if anybody needs help getting towards the hospital car, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Instead of sitting around and waiting, he'll, Ollie's not a big waiter, Ollie's a doer. And Anne and Lorraine. I'm not going to just say Anne and Miss McDade. I'm going to always be including Lorraine because she had her He's like, no, I don't want to be alone. There are voices and I want to make sure they're not only in my head. Yup. So um, once we're changed, we had said we were going to meet up with the others. So uh, I'll head back to uh, um, the car with uh, the scary stone with Lorraine. All right, so the two of you sneak out. I'm not going to sneak, you're heading. Nobody's going to stop you at this point in time, right? Wrong. As the two of you head out and start walking toward the front of the train, Vandenberg sees the two of you step out, and he comes walking over to you. Now, of course, he's still wearing his shirt. It's got blood on and whatnot. He's got his jacket with him. He walked back up and got it. Come, Come back this way. And he says, you, Louisiana girl. And Lorraine immediately jumps to the other side of you from him. Yeah, I uh, I kind of step in front of her too and uh, put my hand like to 
out to keep her behind me. What do you know about all this stuff? Why are these Indians attacking this train? What's going on? What did you do? Lorraine um, means, you know, she's behind you. She says, I, I did nothing. This is not my, I don't know what you mean by this. And uh, Vandenberg looks the two of you up. Where are y'all about to off to? Well, uh, sir, I thought uh, last I checked that we had uh, paid for a ticket just like you and just like everyone else. So I don't think our business on this train is any concern of yours. Uh, and if you're going to go around making accusations, then um, we're going to be excusing ourselves from this conversation. And I'm using that little bit of the that voice to uh, calm the his uh, the encounter against him. Sure. All right, what you, I, I gotta remember how the voice works, so you gotta kinda remind me. Um, I've got two of them, so I'm checking for that right now since it's been a little while. Um, ah, plus two persuasion to calm encounters. Okay, so you're gonna make a persuasion roll. I apologize, you make a persuasion roll, and then he's going to make, I gotta look it up real quick, the counter to persuasion. It's a test of wills, and... I put the plus two after the exclamation points, right? Or do I put it after the K1? After the exclamation point. Um, I think it's after the K1. Maybe it works either way? Yes, it's after... Uh, yes, do it after the K1. I did, I'm, I'm wrong on that one. I was distracted by trying to find the counter stat to persuasion. Ollie's right. I mean, Rusty's right. <laughs> Did you find it, Max, or you want some help looking? I got it. I just gotta remember how to write. Okay. He doesn't say anything else. He just tips his uh, shot glass and uh, shoots, it, it shoots it back, turns back to go over to the bar where the accountant is at. The accountant, as he's walking up, gives maybe some reassurance to the situation as he shakes his head at the big guy like, why did you go do that? Like, what's up with you, you know? And so he just, he just, Vandenberg shakes a fat finger at him like, he knows something. Um, I kind of uh, give him a nod as he walks past and keep it to myself, but I'm thinking, damn right, you walk by. <laughs> okay. The two of you head to the car, several cars up to where the box is at. Entering into the car, uh, and as you begin moving toward its location, you don't feel it. As you get around the, the small turn to where it's sitting and you get eyes on it, you still don't feel it. You get up next, get up to, up it. next to it, nothing inside you wiggles. And there's no Father Cross or Ollie. No, you guys, you guys like two ships in the night, went different directions. Um, do you mind if I make a smarts roll to determine whether or not I think they've been here or if like... You don't have to. The, the there is a piece of paper that has been tacked onto the box that says, do not touch under order of the church. Cool, cool. Um, then I'll go ahead and uh, and look at Lorraine and be like, looks like uh, the good father already took care of it. So I think our next uh, course of action is figuring out um, why in uh, God's name, <clears throat> excuse me, why in God's name this uh, um, terrible item uh, made its way onto our train in the first place. Let's uh, figure out uh, whose package this is. All right. This is a search roll. The NPC doesn't have the stats necessary for this, so i.e. I didn't write them down. 
she can't make this roll. It's all you. Toss out some chips. I'm, I might have to, because uh, my, my smarts aren't real high. I'm a woman in these times, so I'm not very educated. <laughs> well, uh, search is based on cognition, not smarts. I don't know if that's any higher. Nope. I have 1d6. Well, it's uh, fair to find information, which is a five. And if I use chip after my roll, I can add to it, or is it a re-roll? You can add an extra dice with the white chip, or you can add to the dice with the red chip. But if you use a red chip, I get get to draw. I know, I hate that. I love it. All right, that's a three. So um, let's go ahead and... uh, Now, if I play two white chips... I don't know why I'm Anna right now. Um, If I play two white chips, (laughs) um, can I roll... 2d6? You Yes, you can. You can roll two yeah. more d6. You, uh, I think you can declare them one at a time, though. Uh, so you don't uh, necessarily really? have to waste one. Gotcha. Ugh. I think in roll 20, just BT, uh, uh, I think if you just press up, like the up arrow, I think it'll quote like the last thing you said. So oh, if you just want cool. to roll one die again and again, yeah, it can, it can help. Yeah. You know, um, I wrote this character to be strong, uh, but she's aware enough of her weaknesses, so she's gonna just uh, look for someone that may be able to find the answers for her instead of re-rolling. Well, the good news is Dr. Walters is finished up front. The engineer just just got brought back by Vandenberg and an assistant, and so Dr. Walters has left the shoveler in charge of running the train (laughs) as Dr. Walters is heading back through. I will totally allow this to happen. Dr. Walters, uh, question for you as you're walking on by. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but any idea uh, where to find uh, the owners of these packages? Well, there's probably a manifest somewhere on this car. Let's take a look around. Oh, there it is. And he points to a nearby, like, little tablet of some type as he pulls off, um, and he begins flipping through a book. Um, let's see. There's some numbers. Oh, there we go. And he flips through it. And while all this is going on, Walters is going through this book, looking all fancy. Um, Lorraine leans to one side, and then she touches you and then points to the side of the box. I I look. It says, Property of Hellstrom Incorporate. Do you know uh, who or or what Hellstrom Incorporated is? Walter stops his search. Well, Hellstrom is one of the uh, most notorious men out west. He runs a business in Salt Lake where he pretty much designs and develops machines like the horseless carriage and builds them for the Mormons out there and a variety of other things. And he's he's not a very nice man. And in fact, if I met him right now, I would give him a stern talking to, maybe even arrest him. But that's not really the important part because Hellstrom's got a long history of making terrible choices when it comes to being on the side of either the Southern or side of the war, the northern side of the war, the Union's mistake was when back in 1862... I'm sorry, something you just uh, said a moment ago. Do you uh, know if um, if there's a representative from Hellstrom on this train now? Hmm. Let me check this book. And he starts flipping through it again and stops talking. 
After a moment, he gets finished, and he says, no, it doesn't say anything about a representative being on the train, but if I was to gander, whoever runs security on this train would know who's responsible for this box, who's supposed to pick it up, and who dropped it off. And, he, and that would be Mr. Bixby, correct? Gives a nod. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. Uh, Lorraine and I got to get going and, and fill, uh, fill Ollie and Father Cross in on this information. Thank you so much. And I kind of start pulling her off the car. I'll walk with you. I'm headed that way anyways. <sighs> Great. But it was 62 when Hellstrom, blah, 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 and you guys begin walking. We're going to segue away from that to the front of the train. The shoveler, go ahead. I'm sorry, but I'm really proud of myself for how I handled him during there. It's much more diplomatic than I have ever handled someone in real life that talks like that. I definitely appreciate it, too. I love the cut in right there, because I was like, gotta, just got to keep going until something happens. Well, I was, I, at first I waited because I was like, there might be like some other tidbit of good information. And then I was like, no, we're not going that way. Let's go back. <laughs> so we're going to, we kind of move from this point and we're, we're at the front of the train. The shoveler, slightly broken uh, gentleman, stands there at the helm running this train. He kind of ducks down out of the smoke and the steam and he leans forward and he looks beyond it. He can see the gauges are all over the place and he's throwing a bit of coal in every once in a while. He rushes up, he looks and he's looking at stuff and he's tapping things and he knows and he's watching it happen as you guys are rolling through the night and he can hear the sounds of the wheels, the, the big steel wheels on steel underneath him. He's looking down, he's looking forward, making sure there's nothing out there. The light's still running, everything's going fine. As far as he's concerned, it's still a dire situation and he needs the engineer because he doesn't know what to do. The engineer's been pulled back for surgery. He, he's been patched up for the most part, but he's not gonna be, he can't be fully given an ability to get up and moving around at this point. And so as he's looking ahead, um, the tree line, uh, so the areas you guys have been going through has been trees and then plains, and trees and plains, and trees and hills and then some plains. But now you're getting out of the Oklahoma hills and whatnot and, and flatlands and just going straight into the Oklahoma, Kansas flatlands. And so um, as you guys have been following, for the most part, the river, um, the, the train comes around a bend and as it does so, it's now coming out the back end of the hills. So the to the poor shoveler's point of view, he doesn't know this. He doesn't know what he's looking at. The engineer would, and the engineer's not up there. And so you guys have been steadily going up and up and up and up and up and up into the hills. And so now you're coming out the back end of the hills, which is all downhill. And so as he comes out the back end and the train begins making a turn around and he sees all these flat land stretched out before him, part of him is like, ah. But as the train starts going down the back side of the hills and the cars begin picking up and going over and it's making a nice little coast up and going down the back side, um, he stops for a moment, looks around, and then he notices the little the gauge that registers how fast the wheels are going round and around starts to pick up and it's not going back down like it normally does and it's going up and he's looking at his shovel trying to figure out wait i didn't put any coal in there what's going on and so we're gonna move back to the back end of the train where you guys are at all right you were talking about a train crashing earlier just a sneaking suspicion i had since the name of this episode is the stranded foreshadowing I didn't, I didn't think you just meant we were gonna have trouble finding a carriage in Dodge. Like we were gonna, oh, no no luck with the Uber. Like I, I figured we were probably gonna get stranded somewhere. All right. 
So at this point in time, I'm going to call for a short, uh, maybe at most 10 minute break. I'm going to shovel down some food and do what we got to do and we will be back. Uh, so where's that button that takes us to break? Um, I believe it's this one. listening to another fine tale in the Alternia archives. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to our archive. So, until next time, take care of yourself, okay? Goodbye.